Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining our Saturday morning Bible study discussion. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America, and we welcome you all. I know it's going to be a very lively discussion. And our moderator today is Thomas from New York. Welcome uh, to our Bible study on the book of Revelation. I'll start out with uh, our quote. Self-abnegation, by which we lay down all for truth or Christ in our warfare against error, is a rule in Christian science. This rule clearly interprets God as divine principle, as life, represented by the Father as truth, represented by the Son as love, represented by the Mother. Every mortal at some period, here or hereafter, must grapple with and overcome the mortal belief in a power opposed to God. Uh, so this is uh, from Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy on page 568 to 569, uh, which is the chapter um, Apocalypse. Well, I thought this was a brilliant quote, huh? just perfect for what it, with what we're going to be talking about. Very brilliant, but I'll wait because I have plenty to say, so I'll wait till others <laughs> speak first, please. This self-abnegation, uh, setting aside of self-interest, for the sake of others and for a belief or principle. If we don't do that, I know it's gradual, um, but we we have to have the goal of achieving this self-abnegation. Some people put it dying to the false sense of self, a power or a, a, a self apart from God, because we've got to be one. We have to know this truth. In order to understand it, we have to be this one, this oneness with the Father. Thank you. It reminds me of, in retrospection and introspection, Mrs. Eddie, when she was talking about Christ Jesus, she she said uh, his holy humility, unworldliness, and self-abandonment. And I, I think of those three qualities a lot. Well, that's beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Where is that? The retrospection and introspection. Hmm. Oh. Seems to go very beautifully with the blessing because you can't be watchful if you I feel if you don't have the self abnegation because otherwise you're self absorbed and then you would not be watching. Seems like you make a better walker. Also, get stuff out of the way. Well, it says that we need to be thinking of others rather than ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And and what should we be thinking about others? How should we be thinking about others? 
that they're also God's reflection. No, yeah. God's child. God's. You know, they're they're inseparable from God, and so they're really God appearing. Yeah. Know the, the way God knows them. Mm-hmm. That's that's right. Yeah, this is not a human activity. We can't be sympathetic humanly. And it starts with your own self, knowing your own self in that way, so you can know others. And that is declaring oneness and denying that there is a selfhood apart from God. Um, And this is no easy task. And this is why some people prefer not to be Christian scientists, because it requires a lot. And sometimes it requires some suffering, because the sense of self needs to be burned out. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Mrs. Eddy says science or suffering. Um, but most of us end up using the suffering route for, for better or for worse. So don't, don't be discouraged. Yeah, sometimes you have to prove to yourself that relying on your own understanding gets you nowhere. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and suffering really makes you... <laughs> It kind of makes you want to give the other up. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a hot potato you want to get rid of. Yeah. Carol? And when you suffer through something, you really learn it. Yes. And you don't forget it. Yes. Yes. It's yours. It's not the practitioner's or someone else's. It's yours. And when you come through the other end, you look back and say, well, it really wasn't as painful as it appeared in the beginning. Because look at what we've gained. You know, there's so much valuable to to experience. There's so much to be gained. And if Mm -hmm. if with that uh, standpoint, we won't be so fearful of having to go through it. So, Well, what's come to me a lot the last few days is I kiss the cross and wake to know a world more bright. But I kiss the cross. Like, oh, that's... (laughs) Beautiful. It is. Well, maybe not so much. It wasn't so suffering because I, I can't describe what I was going through as not suffering, but it was worth it. I think is the word I would use now. It's like yeah. it was worth it. It was worth it all. One thing, I, we've been here like 30, 40 years doing this, and there is something to the science route too, if you can. Yeah, <laughs> That's true. That's true. Because uh, the unity has created an atmosphere where I think a lot of people could see honestly what was happening to others and and, and understand it to a point where they could say, okay, I learned a lesson too. And it, it happens to me sometimes. And because we have such an environment where people are open to learning lessons, um, and then Mrs. Evans used to say, oh, now go home and get on your knees and pray until you understand what's going on. And, and sometimes it, it did, you know, I mean, many times it did bring it to uh, clarity what was going on. And then Jesus said, blessed are those that are not offended in me, which was just stood out that, uh, you know, first take a moment, whatever happens, and look at yourself. 
and see, you know, are you the issue or is it something else? Um, <laughs> but there's something to the, what was created here that is supports learning by science. You know, if people just out there in the world, you know, they, sometimes they get banged up and they don't get up. Thank you very much. That's beautiful. That's very true. And after a lot of suffering, hopefully we can learn by the science. That's why most of us are clinging here, because we, we don't want to have to go through any more suffering. We'd rather learn obediently through the science. Um, so thank you, Craig. The importance of demanding the blessing so you don't have to go through it again. To yeah, it. And, and it is from glory to glory, not from problem to problem as we progress this way. Um, but you do have to have a great love for God, don't you? You have to have a great love for truth. You have to have a great love for principle. You have to have a great love for life in order to kiss the cross and wake to know a world more bright because that requires discipline. It requires hard work sometimes. Oops, sorry. Hang Hold on, on sorry. <laughs> Hold on, sorry, please. You're not on speaker, so. Okay, we should hear you now. Okay, if we awake to know a world more bright, it also means the humility to understand. And this understanding is what our practitioners are helping us to learn to give to the world around us. This is what I've been working with, with the situation with the Ukraine, uh, because there are no uh, panic attacks if I kiss the cross and wait to know that I am with God all the time. So, you know, this helps to evaporate the lie or this uh, malicious suggestion that has nothing to do with me or the world. Thank you. That's overcoming the mortal belief in a power opposed to God, which yes. every mortal must do. And we were getting plenty of opportunity to do that. And this is going to, that statement is going to prepare us for what's coming up, especially with the next, the discussion of the next two churches, because we are going to be grappling with this belief in evil, that there is a power apart from God. And how, how does that get started? Um, Carrie sent me this article called The Open Door of Self-Abnegation by Ella Hoke, who was a very good early worker. I'm going to read a couple of things from that and then also from something else. where She says, most men have called self-abnegation a negative subject. Isn't that right? Who wants that? For they have often felt it implied giving up something desirable. Comparatively few have understood its positive side. Few have glimpsed that it is the open door to, gaining of all, to the gaining of all reality. To the student of Christian science, there is no subject that demands more earnest consideration, since the human consciousness must have self-abnegation before it can win good. It cannot realize good until it has let go of error. The student must therefore awaken to that, necess that necessary understanding of self-abnegation, which will enable him to demonstrate his way out of evil into the consciousness of all good. There is no claim of evil which is not based on the belief in a false selfhood. This is Eddie says this. This is personal sense. 
then era in all its forms has the foundation only for the unstable groundwork of the belief in a material, personal sense of self. From this it is plain to be seen that if one is to be rid of evil, the first necessity is to learn what constitutes true selfhood, that he may therewith deny the beliefs in an opposite. Too long the world has been working to make good out of evil, too long it has believed to make something holy out of sinful mortality, too long has it been trying to remodel effects. It goes on. It's an excellent article, which we should put on the website. Um, and this week, Kenrick, our new friend Kenrick in Texas, he sent me this quote from miscellaneous writings and questions and answers. That teacher does most for his students who most divest himself of pride and self, spiritualizes his own thought, and by reason thereof is able to empty his students' minds that they may be filled with truth. And he said he's come to that understanding. You can't really progress. This is unfoldment. It's not accretion. It's not piling up knowledge on top of knowledge. It's it's emptying, em, emptying oneself of this sense of self so that God can move in and use you. And I would just like to say, too, I think all of us here, we, we don't consider ourselves teachers. I, we're just sharing lessons that we've learned. I prefer to think of it that way. Maybe a shepherd pointing the direction, watching over the flock. But teacher, teacher, Mrs. Eddy, the master Jesus, and even our early workers, uh, Vic Del Young, Martha Wilcox. So um, I thought that was a wonderful quote. And then I have one more other thing to discuss before Gary, you want to say something or well, anyone else? Well, and then there's the, the the ultimate is the divinity school, right? Mm -hmm. Where God teaches each one of us individually. Yes. I support that absolutely because the, the thoughts, these angel messages come to you directly. And it's teaching you. Yes. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. And we were... Lawrence and I were talking about yesterday, we're very grateful people, all these healings people are getting by going onto our website, by listening to various things, by learning, taking the divinity course themselves. It's absolutely essential and important. Um, in the, in the uh, Dixon letter, which has been on the website, I'm not sure if it still is, oh, yeah. but one, one statement that has always been outstanding to me, and that is only the pure in heart will survive the latter days. Now, it's a very sobering thought, but this, this is why the self-abnegation is so essential, because if you don't have it, there'll be some error that will hook itself on you and try to bring you down. This is what the, we're going to be talking about in the churches coming up, Pergamon and also the next one, the uh, Atra. Thank you. Jezebel. So if you have nothing in you to correspond to era, you can survive the latter days. But if you do, it's out there in belief trying to trip you up. Now, a while ago, I think it was around maybe 2011 or something, there was in New York City, C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters. Some of you might have 
heard of it. And um, C.S. Lewis was a wonderful Christian writer. Um, and it's interesting. He, he calls, he, he's, it's about the fact that C.S. Lewis was inspired to write the Screwtep Letters as a result of a speech given by Adolf Hitler in July 1940. Commenting on the speech in a letter to his brother, Lewis wrote, Statements which I know to be untrue convince me. Hmm. At any rate, for the moment, if only the man says them unflinchingly. And then Lewis had the idea to create letters on how a senior devil instructs a junior devil in the art of temptation. And it's interesting, he came upon the word screw tape because he says words like scrooge, thumb screw, tape worm, red tape, um, and other things, disagreeable names, slub gob, lub boost, twip tweez, toad pipe, <laughs> slumber trumpet, <laughs> and of course woodworm. So anyway, he comes up with this. And some of the things he says is uh, very interesting. One I'd like to quote, this is from the screw tape le letters, quote, how much better for us, and this is screw tape speaking, how much better for us if all humans died in costly nursing homes amid doctors who lie, nurses who lie, friends who lie, as we have trained them, promising life to be the dying, encouraging the belief that sickness excuses every indulgence. Isn't that what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Instead of learning from the Christ about eternal life, instead of learning from the Christ how to heal sickness, sin, and death through, through his teachings, and not dying with a belief of death in hospitals. Anyway, I just thought, whoa. And then it also says, and this is why this is important right now, and this is the man who played screw tape was an evangelist, a Christian who took all of this to heart. But he said, excuse me, screw tape in the 2011 touring production agrees with the tapeworm idea because he says evil is like a parasite which does not exist on its own. It needs a host. And the way evil works is to take a good thing and to corrupt it. Era comes to you for life, and you give it all the life it has. This is Mrs. Eddy. So, so we will be discussing on how it does this, and what the temptations are, and why we must be alert and wise, and, and why this book of Revelation is such an essential part of our study. Because only the pure in heart will survive the latter days. And that's what we strive to be. Okay, I'm done with that. Okay, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. This is an excellent way to start out. So um, our uh, topic today is, uh, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's Proverbs um, chapter 3, verse well, I have a little quote that I 
wrote down years and years ago. In fact, I think it may have even come from the Christian Science Monitor, although I, I can't be sure, but something. But it goes like this. It's very short. God governs every activity. God initiates that activity, calls one to it, directs him in it, governs the situation surrounding it, and causes the activity to be satisfactorily fulfilled. And I've used that so many times um, and have many proofs of that, but I just thought that went very well with, with the topic. Um, and acknowledge, I looked, it said, um, uh, it's Hebrew, yada is the Hebrew word for it, which means to know or recognize. So to acknowledge God is to recognize in all our dealings and undertaking God's overruling providence. And I've, I've proved with this quote, which I've just read, and read that if, if we turn to him in all that we do, he removes all the obstacles from our way in order to do what he has directed us to do. So if we want, don't want to stumbling blocks or anything in our way to prevent us from doing God's work, then that's, that's how we do it. <laughs> Beautiful, Karen. Thank you. Zary, were you trying to speak? Uh, yes. Uh, what I wanted to say is, I would love to know where that quote is, Karen. Uh, it's oh, so oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I. It's written down. I, I will share it on, but I, I can't remember. I think it may have been from the monitor, but I. It's been. It's over twenty years ago <laughs> that I wrote this down. So. Oh, I just, I didn't. <laughs> It'll be posted on the uh, round Good. website later. L Linda's okay. going to find it for you. Thank you. <laughs> she'll she'll okay. write. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Yep. Thank you. So uh, my my thought in picking this topic was that uh, the uh, quote was about this rule in Christian Science self abnegation uh, about uh, you know uh, rejecting a, a belief in power opposed to God and then. The topic, um, as you just said, about knowing God. So, what what do we do, right? So we we uh, we're it's it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to deny this uh, power opposed to God, but what do we do? And I think that's what the first part of this quote does is say, well, we get to know God, and then what's our benefit? He's going to direct our paths. Thank you. Well, your first question, I think, gets to that point. <clears throat> Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. That's why we watch. That's why we pray. To get closer to God, to know better what it is that he has for us. In Matthew Henry's complete Bible commentary, it says, quote, The warning which God gives of this great and decisive trial to engage his people to prepare for it 
It would be sudden and unexpected, and therefore Christians should be clothed and armed and ready for it, that they might not be surprised and ashamed when God's cause comes to be tried and his battles to be fought, all his people shall be ready to stand up for his interest and be faithful and valiant in his service, end quote. And that made me think that being clothed and armed, it of course made me think of Ephesians chapter 6, where it says to put on the whole armor of God. <clears throat> Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery dots of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Thank you. Me, it's... It it's also what Mr. Sadi says, like Stan Porter at the door of your thought, because temptations or whatever it is, it comes through our thoughts. It comes very subtly at times, sometimes very overt. But again, in keeping our righteousness, in keeping ourselves as pure as we can, we are able to detect a lie that's coming. And you ward it off that way. Thank you. And that's why we start each day by studying the Christian Science textbook. That mm -hmm. gives us the foundation. I mean, you know, what, what, better, what better text to start with, to fill our consciousness with, than the Bible and the, and the Christian Science textbook? I mean, once you mm -hmm. fill your, once you, once you, catch a glimpse of what's true that is how you detect the lie yeah right and mrs eddie says how, how do you determine whether something that comes to you is a right idea from god or a false belief and she says the source where is the source of this thought that is trying to enter my consciousness is it a right idea from God? Does it bring me closer to God? Or is it something that, that draws me away from God? I think in addition, uh, the, the declaration that as soon as you wake up or as soon as your eyes open to, to really affirm always, God is my mind, because this mind is the mind that cannot be mesmerized. And then you go to the lesson. This is what I learned. Um, declare that that true mind, that one mind, that infinite mind, as your mind. And then go to the lesson. It also makes me think of in Genesis when God says to Adam, who told you you were naked? <laughs> you know, like who? what voice is telling you you're separate from God and that you don't know truth and you don't deserve to be here and all that stuff. So yeah. you gotta be mindful of that. Yeah. I was thinking about that word naked and it doesn't doesn't mean like you don't have any clothes on. But I felt it meant like you were 
self-conscious. You know, you were exposed or self-conscious. And the thing that goes with that is the shame. And I think shame is one of the most cruelest tyrants there ever it is because it depresses thought. It pushes you down. Whereas watching, on the other hand, is uplifting. It lifts thought. So the contrast here in this revelation is, is very clear. And blessed are those who watch, who lift their thought to God and consider the true source of all good and don't get stuck into self-consciousness and then the depressing result that comes from that. That's my take on it. And the naked, it always... Seems that when you're naked, you are also, unless you're, you know your oneness, you're undefended. You're not, you have no armor. Thank you. And and so, to follow God and our, without our oneness in God, you know, we are just powerless, uh, fruitless, our efforts. uh, Paul says, what you do is in vain. So. Yeah, naked means you don't have your moral compass. Yeah. Mm. One of the commentaries I read called it that your spiritual lack is exposed. And uh, Ms. Zetti writes in, I believe it's the Red Book, and I'll make sure I get the uh, page and quote on the Bible study page. I said roundtable. It's a Bible study page that all this will be put on. But she says, handle fear, regret, remorse, shame, disgust. This is self-abuse. Repentance is the remedy and the step. And then she goes on with a, a beautiful self-prayer about uh, there is nothing in my thought to respond to evil or afforded an opening through which it to, to enter my consciousness. For I banish all claims of hatred, malice, revenge, greed, sensuality, lust, pride, personal ambition, limitation, fear, hypnotic human will. And the prayer goes on, and I'll, I'll put that in. But it just she has these beautiful prayers to help you uh, do just what um, Mr. Singletary was talking about, which is protect your thought from any yeah. of these entering and then becoming a hook. A host for it. Host. This is a self-abnegation. This is the process. That's why this was such a brilliant quote <laughs> to have. It. it. You have to do this so that you have nothing within you to correspond yeah. to any error. You, and you'll see it for what it is. This is usually not an overnight process. <laughs> when we start out, we're failed by all kinds of negative thoughts and fears and jealousies and resentments. And you can't sort it out at first because you just think it's your own thought. But you have to start somewhere. So you start now. You start today. And you start weeding out those thoughts and realizing what they are, casting them out. They'll try to come back Oh. Oh, stupid gardener, yes. you keep at it. <laughs> and, then, and then you get more and more aware. If you get a, a thought of jealousy or hate, it, it seems very foreign to you, and you, you, you feel the approach of the enemy. Mrs. Eddy says, I love this, but never absent from your post, never off guard, never ill-humored, never unready to work for God. That's a great protection. And, you know, you think of the movie. Sometimes I'm amused. These movies and some terrible monster has been overcome. And everybody's, oh, so happy. And they're 
dancing around and guess what <laughs> just while they're dancing around having a great old time the monster rises up from the ashes <laughs> so that's why you can never let your guard down it doesn't mean you have to be fearful or live in a state of fear but it it means you have to live in a state of oneness with the father that's what it means in the Pergamos uh, church under the studies of the apocalypse uh, by Hoyt she talks about that that was the for the Israelites is they thought, oh, we were the chosen. So then oh, they yes. put their guard down and <laughs> yes. and, and that's when it came And uh, because they just thought, oh, well, this is done. We're good. We're all set. We, yeah, we've arrived. Yeah, I have been and I'm lost. Yeah. But it's like freedom. It's like uh, liberty. It, it has to be defended. You, you can't just take yeah. it for granted and you can't let your guard down. Right. Because as long as we're here on this earth, as long as, you know, as long as we, people appear in some way to be <laughs> that way, we, we need to be on guard. And we need to defend our mentality more, more so than ever before. Yeah, this was a something, Seven Churches by Carolyn Getty, also something Carrie sent about Pergamus. If we are not watchful in overcoming all era, we are pretty certain to be hit by mental malpractice. And the effort of mental malpractice is to adulterate our sense of truth. This condition is indicated in the Church of Pergamus, where idolatry and material medicine obtained a following. How often this temptation comes to us in the guise of broad-mindedness, a concession to the world's opinion, a pandering to the demand for material remedies, something less than reliance upon truth. Hmm. <laughs> so be ever watchful, ever on guard, um, and you won't be thrown off. By and Aaron never it rarely comes suddenly. It's it's usually very planned out, and uh, you might be asleep to it. But you have your spiritual sense awake and attuned. You won't be. You'll know. You'll feel its approach, and you'll make sure your armor is on and you're well fortified in in your oneness with the Father. And it, it'll find no entrance. But it's already too late. Already too late. Be so instant in truth. Era is always too late. His, his approach is often it's not attempt to put you to sleep. Sluggishness yeah. or, or yes. excusing things. So you want to talk about Pergamus? <laughs> yes, I think we've already moved into Pergamus. I think that's great. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to say about uh, the Church of Pergamus is that uh, um, about the spiritual quality. Okay, so uh, we did talk about, you know, the rule in Christian science and acknowledging God and, um, you know, watching. And um, uh, sometimes it can seem that what we're doing is sort of clinical in a way, right? Um, and that's okay. But, you know, if we're feeling anxious or whatever, and um, is uh, uh, I was looking to this, uh, and I was looking at the word overcometh and, and 
this section on the Church of Pergamos. And uh, the spiritual quality I uh, looked at, it was the praise God. So look at the quote here, Psalm 68, verse 4. Sing unto, unto God. See, that's what we teach in this church, right? So uh, sing unto God, sing praises to his name, right? So um, we, we read the Psalms, we sing a hymn. Um, feel that sense of joy. Um, so if we're getting too wrapped up in sort of a clinical way of thinking, um, just start praising God, singing to him, feeling joy. Yes. Yeah, all of that praising and gratitude is a, a constant protection and barrier. And, and that beautiful quote, what our leader says, which I know you all are familiar with, but to keep your thoughts so filled with Truth. Era can't enter. There's no room to enter. It's always too late. And the singing, it, even though you don't see the victory yet, it reminds me of what Mrs. Eddy said, uh, declaring, I think you mentioned there once, declaring the truth, even if it does not appear, will bring it into... Yes. Martha Wilcox. Oh. Bring it into manifestation. Yes. Yeah. those praising... And they did see the results of their praise. Yes. And how many times have we seen these beautiful videos of, you know, well, there was one particular of the storm approaching in a school and the children all singing hymns. And oh, yeah. They were totally protected. Mm. There are many examples of that. We can be grateful now. We do have YouTube and other things because you usually don't see it on the news, but it's happening. It's of course, it's working. On page 64 in the blue book, um, I think it was just what Craig just said, it, Mrs. Eddy says, remember that power is exerted by merely stating a truth. All truth is the word of God. Assert it constantly, even though your so-called human mind screams falsehood. It is to acknowledge him, to have your mind stayed on him to be directly benefited by the activity of good. Thank you. It makes sense what happens. If we are repeating lies to ourselves, yes. <laughs> how, how downpulling that is. So it makes sense <laughs> telling the truth and would have the opposite effect. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Pergamus. Yeah, well, so what was going on in Pergamus? <laughs> well, it sounds like they're having a lot of fun. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, we speak, right? You'd be on the wrong call. Unless you were fun for a Christian. Well, it was a fairly prosperous city, right? Yeah. But, but it was the it had the roots of, of uh, Materia Medica. Yep. According to that Times of Fire, uh, these first three <laughs> cities, including Pergamos, were always sort of competing with each other to be the, like the number one city in Asia province of the Roman Empire. Yeah. So they were always doing everything they could to, to yeah. be that. We also had a medical school, we say. 
Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was so fascinating because in that in that movie it talked about it, the beginnings were rich witchcraft and hip, hypnotism of materia medica. And it totally it totally steered away from the teachings of Christ Jesus. And it took Mrs. Eddy how many years later to bring it back. So uh, and then and then the, even had to have the symbol of the snake as part of Materia Medica, because we know the snake to be wily, right? I guess they, they would have snakes in, in churches and stuff. People would want to be healed. They would go in these churches. Snakes were slipping. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. No, no. <laughs> like, I want to do sacred that. snakes, he called them. <laughs> sacred snakes, yeah. Well, yeah. There was this belief at the time that somehow snakes held the secret to life or, or some mm-hmm. silly thought like that. Yeah, because they shed their skin. Oh, yes. And they thought that that was new life. Which yeah. actually yeah. Yes. They, they, re- grow it. they replenished themselves. but So it was a false belief, but it gave rise to a whole system of a whole school of thought. Which was opposed, of course, to the Christ. And, uh, and, and Antipas, or Antipas, who who was the head of the church was martyred because he he was trying to stand fast for what the Christ taught for what Jesus taught and you know it, it says twice in verse 13 where Satan has his throne or where Satan lives and, and I was amused by some other commentary who says you can imagine what things some people might claim about such remarks today it is not politically correct to say that. <laughs> that, that might hurt Pergamus's economy by putting people off the city. What was John thinking of saying a thing like that? He's supposed to be an apostle. Where is the love? <laughs> and, and I just say that because I got some kickback from talking about RC. <laughs> and uh, this isn't, again, about people. It is about a false system. And I will, I will leave it at that. Uh, we're not denouncing people ever. But false systems, yes, and they must be exposed. And Mrs. Eddy even says we needed a Paul to come and burn those books in the 1900 when she was talking about the churches. We needed more Pauls to get rid of these witchcrafts and occult and stuff and burn. Yeah. And the courage and the speaking out that he did. Yes. Yes. And then also that was so interesting about that temple. Um, the temple to Baal. Yeah, it wasn't Baal. It was a... Balak. Yes, and that a, a person actually came and took it to Berlin. And I looked it up, and it is there. It is, it is there. And it enamored Hitler. Um, all of this was happening before World War II. And we also know a while ago there was an, an, uh, some kind of an altar to Baal. What was mm-hmm. it? Uh, um, anyway. Is it an arch or something? An arch, yeah, yes. Arch. Oh, yeah. Arch arch. And it was being moved around to major cities, yeah. including yeah. New York City. Now, I don't know if it's still there, if it got moved. It seemed like it would be a hard thing to move around, but I guess it was. So what's with that? What is with that? We're not afraid of these things, but yet sometimes we act pretty stupid, too. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I have no idea why that person would have wanted to move back to to uh, to Berlin, and it represented uh, sacrifices to a an evil god. And yes, one one of the good men getting burned. Uh, what was the same Yes. So we must not be stupid. Um, to the workings of evil. I know no one likes to talk about it or think about it, and it seems like especially Christian scientists, God is love. But this was one thing Mrs. Evans, well, she changed us, because I was like that too. She changed us all, because it, it has to be uncovered, and seen destroyed. for what it is, and then it destroyed, and it will destroy itself. And the, all of this is happening now. And in order to have a... a good, clear understanding of what is happening now to know these things, know how it operates. I've often wondered how people could get sucked into this and actually go along with it. I know you mentioned earlier this demand of evil to be open-minded as if those words were virtuous words. But we've learned here, I know from Mrs. Evans, our mind is open to God and it is closed to error. Yeah, that's the position that we take. So the demand of error is to no, open up and let me come in. This whole idea of being open-minded, you got to be careful about it. You know, where did that thought come from? Yeah. Where do we consider the source of this? And they had some pretty rough words about Pergamus. Satan's seat. I don't know how you can get more fierce than that. I thought this was very interesting. It was in a commentary. Pagan practices introduced into the church. <clears throat> the influence of paganism on the church increased over the years, step by step. The church began to shroud itself in mystery and ritualism that had a strong resemblance to Babylonian mysticism. The Chaldean Tao, which was the elevation of a large T on the end of a pole, was changed to the sign of the cross. The rosary of pagan origin was introduced. Celibacy of priests and nuns, which has no scriptural verification but finds a counterpart in the Vestal Virgins of Paganism, was conceived. The following is a partial list of unscriptural changes introduced during this age. Gradually, these changes became more prominent than the original teachings of Christianity. A.D. 300, Prayers for the Dead. And then it goes on, but making the sign of the cross, worship of saints and angels. Mass first instituted, worship of Mary begun, priests began dressing differently than lay people, extreme unction, final anointing, now known as last rites, administered only to those on the point of death, doctrine of purgatory introduced, worship services conducted in Latin, prayers directed to Mary. This is how the church changed from the Christ Christianity to what became, yes, the Roman Catholic Church. And if I'm treading on toes, I'm sorry. Again, Catholicism is brotherly love. Romanism is the Pope's intent, a false system. And then from A.D. 312, on the church became more Roman. On the church, from, yeah, from the church became more Roman and less Christian in its practices. The Roman Catholic Church of today is hard put to trace its ancestry beyond A.D. 312. Until that time, the church was an independent collection of local churches, 
will all be working together whenever possible, but not dominated by central authority. And then, had the Church of Pergamum and the Pergamon Age heeded the word of God, the evils of the Dark Ages could well have been avoided. And it also, and I mentioned this last week about the doctrine of the whatever, Nickelodeons, I call them. Nickelodeons. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is the strong, is the doctrine of strong eagle, ecclesiastical hierarchy ruling over the laity. This has never been conducive to a strong spiritual condition in the church. Lay people were given no voice in the church affairs, but were required to obey blindly the decrees of clergy. The clergy then gradually seemed to gravitate to an impractical ivory tower type of existence that separated them more and more from the people. Whenever clergy lose contact with people, they cease to be effective tools in the hand of God. And that's why verse 15, Revelation 2 says, So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. God hates that. So all, all of this was developing in this church at that time, changing the, the Christ Christianity to a human institution. With a central hierarchical. <clears throat> yeah. 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 And, and I understand. Well, just the, and also this idea of materia medica, turning away from the teachings and practices of Christ healing by spiritual means and turning to this uh, other which grew in power so it would seem but we know the truth of it well it grew in influence yeah and the wonderful thing about it is it still has no power yes the human mind has no power to heal or to cure yes yeah but how many people today know that? I mean, we still have work to do, right? <laughs> and it, it is in knowing and seeing this truth and realizing, because it's so interesting, it started as witchcraft and hypnotism, and it is still witchcraft and hypnotism. To get people rather to die in hospitals and, and think that's a better way to go, um, Still dominating, manipulating, and intimidating. Exactly. Three things. And that's why we have that subject for our weekly lesson twice a year. It sounds like we're moving on to the next question. Well, are we? I want to make sure we finish this because the next one's going to probably take a whole... (laughs) I think so. Anyone else on truth? Well, I just... Well, just continuing on that theme that I said before, Pergamus, was that, uh, you know, uh, um, we, there's a tendency in Christian science to be very somber and over-serious. Who? What? Who said? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and if we're not going to find some joy in what we do, and being part of the Christian science community and 
um, we're going to start gravitating back to pleasure and sin. Anyway, that's all. Well, well that's and, an interesting. That's an interesting thought because we we've seen it happen, haven't we? Yeah. Well, they, if they think it's boring or whatever, they don't realize the great joy it brings and peace. And like very ill humored. Never. Yeah, we have a good laugh right. here. Thank God. Right. Keep our senses. It's why the concept of excommunication does not exist in any of Mrs. Eddy's writings. Right. Yeah. But when the when the director started excommunicating people, that put a pall on things, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Centralized control. Centralized. It followed in the in the footsteps of RC. Because that's what it'll always do. It's a human mind in operation, which is domination, intimidation, and manipulation. Mm -hmm. Who else? Someone else was trying to speak. Well, I, I was doing some, um, uh, I, I think it was because I was teaching Sunday school, too, at the time. But I um, wanted, I, I was doing a little history on um, just how the... Um, uh, anyway, I went back to Constantine. The Constantine was the emperor that um, was trying to bring everybody into the Catholic, into the church, into his side. And he couldn't, these Christians, he called they were not, he couldn't convince them to be a part of the Roman Empire. And so the only way he could do that was to get rid of all the Caesar uh statues and everything of Caesar and exchange them for the cross. So he put up crosses everywhere and said, well, that's what the Christians are worshiping this cross. Well, then I'll just take off Caesar and I'll put all these crosses up. And that's when they started to, um, the Christian, the followers of Jesus and his teachings thought, well, we're, they're, they're accepting our teaching. They're accepting us. And that's when that started. And, the pagans, um, also, he wanted the pagan worshipers also to become part of the Roman Empire. So he started taking on the beliefs of all the pagan uh, rituals and all that, which is what happened to um, the Christmas, Easter. Um, they were very religious uh, occasions. But in order to get everybody on board, he had to start accepting, or the, start, the church had to start accepting all the pagan beliefs. And the, the Christmas now is just full, and Easter, full of pagan beliefs, which has, except for, you know, sincere Christians and Christian scientists, Christmas and Easter have just become nothing but bunny rabbits and Santa Claus. And... So I just thought it was interesting when I was doing some um, learning about that, that that's where all that started, was to get everybody under the Roman, uh, the Roman church. And so everybody had to be included, and that's how everybody was included. Well, just believe in everything, and we'll put your beliefs in ours. And that's how, that's how things started. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and you know, December twenty fifth was a pagan holiday. It was yes, yeah. Christmas was about it. Right. Yeah, it, 
I mean, Jesus. It was S U N, not S O N, that was worship. <laughs> so they they changed. I mean, if you look into the history of how Christmas, all this came in, very interesting, and Easter too. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. And like you say, you know, look at what it has become. Yeah. I know, for, there's so many children, too, that's mm-hmm. what they're learning. But, you know, it's all about Santa Claus and mm-hmm. um, and Easter bunnies. And buying presents. Mm-hmm. Over-commercialized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they go to these, you know, these parks. I mean, even Dollywood, I saw all, all this snowman, Santa Claus, just that not one trace of... Pagan ritual. Yeah, nothing... I, I don't get it. Constantine adapted all that stuff so that he could get all the people. And then, um, you know, all, all the people that want money adapted that stuff so they could get all the people. And one thing I read, Constantine realized it's much better to go along with them and put them to sleep yeah. than it is to persecute them. Because when you persecute them, they fight they back. Fight they, back. Wake, they wake up. But when you go yeah. along with them yeah. and give them all this Santa Claus stuff, then they are sound asleep mm. and... So that's where the suffering comes in, you see. Blessed are the persecuted. So Jesus yes. doesn't say, blessed are the popular. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. They were selling materialism, which is still happening now. Yeah. Yes. And Mrs. Eddy said that's what would happen to Christian science once she left. It would digress into materialism. To material prosperity. Mm-hmm. I, I took a trip to Italy and uh, with my son when I was homeschooling him, this was years ago, and I went to see my practitioner before going because I knew I was entering and I, I was taking him to, because we were studying the Renaissance and art and everything. And I just wanted to take him to see these things. Um, and But I knew where I was going, so we had a talk, and that's where she, some of this, I, I was learning how uh, about some of this during the... And when I saw all these churches, and for the first time I realized that each church had a relic. They didn't build a church unless they had a relic. And it suddenly dawned on me that the whole, the whole um, Roman Catholic <clears throat> the whole, that is completely the antithesis of Christian science. And I, everything is based on matter. They have to have a thing, a relic, in order to build a church. It's the center of each Roman Catholic church is this relic of one sort or another. Uh, well, right there. So, very eye-opening. a piece of a saint. Oh. It's an actual body part, which is the grossest oh. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot that went with Pergamos, though, because when they talk about how Balaam um, had a plot and he had the he couldn't get hold of the people who were really standing for Christ, so he would get the women um, mm-hmm. to seduce the Israelite men. 
and to suck them in into intermarriage. And this way, they were corrupted that way. Um, <laughs> it's it just, yeah. it's a lot on Pegamus about sexuality, sensual. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And that will definitely lead into the next one with Jezebel. But yes, it, 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 you know, that seems to be the big drawing card. One of the big ones is sensuality and sex to get people. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, this isn't so bad after all. (laughs) I don't mind this. And next thing they know, it's not good. Mrs. Eddie was very strong about this sensuality piece and uh, even in the children's prayer she had to protect the children so she understood that it, it's a very wise thing yes she said yeah. chastity was the cement of civilization yeah. yes and that uh, every Christian scientist must handle every day the attraction between the sexes A comment that I found about Satan's seat said the midst, the midst of idolatry and superstition, and and um, in Science and Health, on page 470, Mrs. Eddy says the supposed existence of more than one mind was the basic error of idolatry. So the counter to that, like Florence said earlier, is that there's only one mind. Yes, that is what we begin our day with, to know that. That is our protection. All the things that we were taught here are are so invaluable. And there is no separation between that mind and each one of us. It's not that you have to go looking for it somewhere. (laughs) I just wanted to say, uh, the... um, Watches prayers and arguments. It says every sexual emotion is a conspiracy against science. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, where are we, Tom? Eleven o'clock. Well, I think we're coming up the end of the hour, and uh, looks like we're going to have a fascinating topic uh, next month on Jezebel and. Um. And I do want to say that uh, once we have the Bible study, um, and I've said this before, right? So go back to the prior Bible study and look at the notes that Belinda posts up there. And these are coming from, you know, I'm sure from a wide variety of people. But there's some really good things there to read, right? So um, let's not just uh, look forward to the next Bible study, which I hope we all do, but look back to the prior Bible studies, think about, well, what did I learn from those? Read through the notes and see what else you can learn. I read one of the quotes that's posted here from the prior Bible study. We must remember that the smallest truth is mightier than the greatest lie the world has ever known. And that's from Divinity Course and General Collectania. Thank you. That's a good one to end on. Thank you. And thank you. Oh, Oh, yes, time change. We forgot to announce that Wednesday night. The time is changing tonight, one hour ahead. And if you don't know that, you'll miss (laughs) 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 you. We missed you.
unless you're just have your cell phones next to your bed. <laughs> yeah, count on the good old phone. Yeah, either that or or, or set the clock to head one hour because if you don't, you're gonna show up to the round table and the, it'll be over. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you for all that you put into this, Thomas. I'm so grateful. Yeah, thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Thomas. Well, all right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.